0: Hi, everybody. Mike here uh, with Kevin Pike, who taught at Irvine uh, this weekend. Kenton is out gallivanting across the countryside, um, and uh, Kevin was here teaching in Irvine. And so we're, we're absolutely thrilled to have him with us on staff. Uh, we're going to play very quickly. You get, you get to answer, like, literally one-sentence questions. All right, so who's your favorite yes. college football team?
1: Uh, the Gamecocks, That's South too Carolina. Slow,
0: too slow. Sorry. Favorite All right. movie?
1: Which Cassie and kid?
0: If, 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 if an actor was going to play you in a movie, who would they be? Mike Erie. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, Kevin taught. We're in the middle of our series. Jesus Hates Religion and Jesus Hates Movies with Mike Erie. I can promise you that too. Uh, Kevin. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the weekend was like for you. What, were there things that, um, as you look back, that you would have loved to have spent more time on? You know, after you after you, you preach, we always have the kind of the Monday morning quarterback uh, blues sometimes when we look back and say, I wish I would have done that, wish I would have done any of that for you this well, past weekend.
1: Well, you know, there's always things that you would probably put in if you had unlimited time. Um, you know, the thing, I guess, that sort of comes across to me when you're talking about being exclusive – and that there's sins of omission and sins of commission, they say. And so usually the sins of omission are the harder ones to see. And that's usually exclusivity. It's not, it's not so much that we're ugly to people that are on the outside or that we intentionally push them out. It's more that we just kind of ignore them. And that kind of keeps them out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Jesus is pretty clear that that's a real problem. That's not just a minor deal. And even though we might call that a sin of omission and something, you know, I'm not intentionally pushing somebody away, that that's a real important thing that we need to actually be aggressive in reaching out.
0: So when people say um, Jesus or more specifically Christianity is exclusive as a religion, how do you answer that?
1: Uh, Well, in fact, I took sort of a shot at that this weekend, is I actually think Jesus is the most inclusive historical figure probably ever. And so it doesn't make sense to think that his followers would be exclusive. And I think rather than exclusive, I think Jesus was just real specific. He invited everybody to come. He just said there's a real specific way. And he made sure everybody knew what that way was and invited everybody to do it, which is to come to him. So... I think exclusive is not really accurate. I don't think Christianity is exclusive, but I do think it's specific.
0: Right. So I I hear you saying on the one hand you have Jesus who very clearly broke all of the social norms, social boundaries um, to welcome the outsiders, the misfits, the outcasts, going so far as to even bless them. Blessed are the poor, those who weep, and so on. And on the other hand, you have a church that – at times is antagonistic, but also we're just neglectful. We're not even sensitive to the outsiders in our midst. Absolutely. Uh, One of the things that was powerful for for our community in Mission Vejo is just the the recognition that when people ask, is Jesus the only way to God? And they mean, really what they mean is, hey, isn't Jesus, even saying that, isn't that exclusive? Right, right. Um, You know, our response to that is, well, no, he's not the way to God, he's God come to us, <laughs> That's right? right. So even that's the way right. to God language, you No, know, he says, I'm the way, and, right. and that's a, a, in a slightly different context. Right. But there is this sense that the point of the whole series has been God has come to us. That's right. There is, the way to God is through faith in God, the God who draws near, not in working, believing, striving, performing, nothing beyond that. Right. And uh, so I think one of the things I would love to see our Mariners community grasp hold of is exactly what you're saying. The gospel is the most inclusive invitation Absolutely. ever. Yeah. But it is specific. It is. It, in the that's same right. way um, that if we if we just would say, hey, you can win the lottery, but you have to buy a ticket. That's right. You're that's like, right. Well, okay, do I really have to buy a ticket? Yeah, that's so exclusive. So... Yeah, yeah, but seriously. that's right. Yeah. We have um, a bunch of questions. For our consideration, and uh, and Kevin, I just want to set you up by saying that I have heard from multiple sources you have doctorates in philosophy and theology. So I'm very excited to hear your answers. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, from these. my
1: wife, but I would take that <laughs> with a grain of salt.
0: <laughs> Doctor of love, perhaps. Yes,
1: yes, Doctor Love. Um,
0: um, all right, so I've got uh, I've got several questions. We're going to get into. One question is, uh, how do you, as pastors of Mariner's Church, a very successful church, discern and guard against teaching twisted or wrongful interpretations of Scripture? And have you ever taught a wrongful interpretation of Scripture in the past? I think Kevin's answer clearly is yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think that's that's a great Uh, question because it really hmm. gets to the idea that there are so many things that – that masquerade under the banner of Christian. Yes. How do we know? And they all claim to have biblical support. Sure. How in the world do you know what... Should speak with an authority that is given by the scriptures, and what is really just a harmful interpretation. When when people wrestle with these sorts of questions, um, you know, there there are a bunch of different ways to answer. There's a two-hour answer we could give about how it is you you learn to study the scriptures in context, right. Right. and you hold against your interpretations against church history and the, the the evangelical communities' traditions, even among us, and you're running them by uh, other people in the office and other teachers that are contemporary. Sure. And commentaries, sure. uh, but the short answer right. for us is that that we want ultimately and forever the Scripture to drive the, con- the conversation. And there Absolutely. are two ways that that can happen. One way is we are fans of exegesis, not eisegesis. Right? Um, and exegesis, of course, um, is where we unearth the gems that are there, maybe right. covered by sure. the dust of two thousand years. So we're exegeting something means to make it clear eisegesis is the process of coming to a text with a point you want to make. Right. And, and I'm finding, just pulling Bible right, Finding a
1: proof text to sort of support what you already wanted to say.
0: Absolutely. Right. right. And, and are all of us guilty – Uh, of 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 misusing at times the scriptures absolutely i mean i just think yes the the second part of your question have you ever taught a wrongful interpretation absolutely (laughs) when i'm heaven i'm sure in heaven i'm sure we will see absolutely how would you answer her with
1: that oh sure yeah and well in fact because i've realized later that it was wrong and whether i've come back to correct that or not uh, it probably depends on uh, the setting, but yeah, absolutely. And we are fallible, and it's one of the reasons that if you're sitting in a church listening to somebody teach, you can't necessarily just take everything that they say as the gospel truth. You need right. to understand and know your Bible and listen with discernment. Uh, the Holy Spirit's been given to every Christian that is listening, and the, uh, you know, I think in First John it says the Holy Spirit is your teacher. So hopefully, the teachers up in front are helping you with that. But, uh, you know, they're fallible people. I'm a fallible person. I'm hoping that you're checking things out.
0: Yeah, there is a sense. One of the big differences between Old Testament prophecy and the New Testament Testament gift of prophecy is that in the Old Testament – there was a thus saith the Lord quality yes, to it. The right. Lord has spoken. Absolutely. And if you question it, it's an act of rebellion. Right. In the New Testament, the gift of prophecy isn't the gift of telling the future. It's the gift of proclaiming truth. Yes. That that required supernatural insight for you to have. And it's fascinating that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he's speaking about prophecy, and he says, test it and hold Absolutely. on to the good. Absolutely. So there is this sense that, that nobody gets to say thus saith the Lord anymore. Right. That, that conversations over. The conversation that happens now is, is the word of God and the spirit of God intersect with the community of God. Yes. We come together.
1: Absolutely. Wrestling
0: through the text. And so um, we absolutely affirm on the one hand, the Bible is so clear that anyone can read it and benefit. And on the other hand, you can study it the rest of your life and never come to the to the deepest parts of it. And so we do need teachers, but you also need to read it yourself and test Right. Well,
1: and I think, you know, sort of this idea that there's the magic way of doing something or the magic person that makes everything clear, uh, that's just not the case. And it's much more dynamic and it's meant to be done in community. And it's as you wrestle through things and think about them and pray about them and talk to other people and interact with them in your life that God reveals more and more his truth.
0: I think that's really key. I, I... I sense uh, in myself and I sense in the American church uh, a dynamic of individualistic, atomized reading of the Bible mm-hmm. that has really been harmful to us. And what I mean by that is when you look at the scriptures and you take a, a passage like put on the whole armor of God. yes, I, I go to the Christian toy store and you see the armor, <laughs> that, you know the pieces of armor that we're all supposed to be. I mean, I do this, you know, I just am sick that way. But, but you, the idea is, hey, these are all pieces of armor that I'm supposed to wear individually. And then, uh, of course, you learn later down the road that um, that command was given to a church. church. Sure. So you're not, you can't carry the whole armor by That's yourself. Right. The That's assumption right. was you none know, no the whole church community is around you. Yes. So we in America, in our quest to uh, have every, you know, make sure everybody's getting their Bible time, today. Hallelujah for that. But the danger in it is that I'm just off by myself reading right. and kind of saying, what does this passage mean to me? And we're missing the communal, colossally communal Absolutely. aspects. These were written to churches, meant right. to be read out loud sure. and applied together.
1: Right. And the, whole, the gifts of the whole body coming together to discern what is God telling us to do and how do we carry it out? We can't do it by ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another question. These are great, by the way. Thanks for sending them in. If you get an error message, um, keep sending them in anyway because sometimes they'll get through. Uh, another question, I was always taught that you had to be baptized to go to heaven. That would go against the must-do list to be saved. I don't believe that you must be baptized, but I was raised in a home where religion was a burden. My parents still questioned my salvation since I now go to church on Sunday and not Saturday and the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. God stated holy day. Um, Kevin, what would you start the conversation for us on that? What would you you tell to this person?
1: Well, I I guess first off is baptism. I think the scripture pretty clearly teaches is not part of the salvation process in that you must be baptized to be saved. It's an important part after you're saved, uh, really as a sign and an act of obedience to do that. But, you know, I, I think Paul sort of bends over backwards in the New Testament to say, listen, what saves somebody is belief and a commitment to Jesus. That's what. It's a relational concept. It's not a bunch of actions. It's not even any particular action. It is this idea of wedding yourself with Jesus in a true relationship. And then there would be activities that flow out of that that might be indications that you've made that commitment, but putting anything as sort of the litmus test of, You know, you must be baptized, you must go to church, you must go to church on a certain day. These clearly are things that Paul pushed against and said, no, you are saved by faith alone. That's
0: right. Well, And and the early church, right, in Acts chapter 15, when they were pressed with the Jewish community saying, hey, shouldn't we require these people to be Jewish first and then and take on the, the sign, outward sign of circumcision, they said... Absolutely not. And they said, get away
1: from me. That's don't, right. Don't be touching me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's this sense that when we when we come at salvation with the same way, you read a letter like Galatians and realize Paul could have written that letter against those that require tongues for salvation Sure. or those that require baptism for salvation or those that require, in that case, those that require um, – um, did that noise bother you, Mike? It totally sort of did. lose your concentration? Oh, my goodness. Circumcision. That's the word I, I was looking think the Holy Spirit
1: for. just descended. That's what that noise is was. Is that what that was? Yes, oh my it goodness. was. It distracted you. He, the,
0: I, the Holy Spirit <laughs> had an appointment. I love it. So so uh, there's this there, – I, I think you're absolutely right. There's this impulse we have to resist to um, confuse the gospel with the implications of the gospel. Right. The gospel is um, we are saved By grace, through faith, not of ourselves, end of story. But we're saved for good works. And one of the reasons you would be baptized, because we want to say at the same time, you should be baptized. Absolutely. The the early church said, repent and be baptized. Absolutely. And receive the gift of the Spirit, is because baptism pictures. And seals what is already an inward reality. It's an outward declaration of allegiance to Jesus. The, the dying of self that happens when you put faith in Christ is symbolized when we go under the water in Romans 6. A new life is symbolized when we come out of the water. Absolutely. twos in Romans 6. And so it's such a powerful, powerful, like a wedding ring. If I yes. lose my wedding ring, I'm not I'm – no, it's not that I'm no longer married. Right. The wedding ring is a sign of what's already true in my heart. We look at baptism the same way.
1: Right. And you know, I I totally agree. And just one more, I guess, thing I think about baptism.
0: You'll say it better. Is
1: you know, some people think, well, baptism's a hoop to jump through, you know, I really don't want to do it, but you know, do I need to do it because it's an act of obedience? And I think that Jesus gives us baptism as a great present to us. And I think that it sort of goes along these lines is when you believe in something when it is only faith. Uh, we all know that our faith sort of sometimes it's strong sometimes it's weak sometimes we f- we know what we believe sometimes we wonder what we believe maybe even sometimes doubt it and i think that jesus comes to us with let me give you the most tangible you know sort of sensual taking all of your senses mm-hmm. experience to lock this in so That's that right. in the future when you say you know i don't know that i believe this or i don't believe this as much you can look back to your baptism and say no I remember when I was baptized. I remember who was there. I remember the feeling of going under the water, and it just locks into you. You know, you have made this commitment. I think it's a great present that Jesus gives us.
0: I think that's really true. And on that note, we will bless you um, by saying, Have a good day.
1: No, go in God's grace. That's go what we grace. must say. Yes. Is that that is sort of important. Yeah. Oh, my
0: goodness. Okay. Yeah. Go in God's grace, Mariners, and uh, we'll get our act together and see you next week.